This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. from your servants and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. 
Then Moses and Aaron went up for Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them, as the Lord had said. Pharaoh had enough. He, he recognized how disgusting this was. He recognized the, the plight that he and his people were in, and he was done. And he says, all right, I'm ready. I'm ready to let your people go if you'll take these frogs away. Moses says, all right. You say the word. When's it going to happen? He says, I'll give you the honor of saying when this is going to happen. He says, not right now, tomorrow. That's where the title of this lesson comes from, because that's how we handle our sin. You know, we've all got some problems. We've all got sin problems that are abundant. They're, they're all around us. We just can't seem to get away from them. And when God says, I'll remove these whenever you want to, whenever you say the word, whenever you submit to me, we say, tomorrow. And that's what Pharaoh did. He said, I'm more willing to spend one more night with these frogs than to submit to God. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, is this comparison between the plague of the frogs and how Pharaoh dealt with the situation, and that comparison to our sins and our stubbornness in dealing with those sins. So what's the situation? We know Pharaoh's situation, but our situation compares. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 12-13 says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. I've read these two passages many times, but I've never put them together. In this first passage, it gives us this warning. Beware if you think you stand, because you're going to fall. Now I have a, you know, the typical young man stereotype of being a little cocky. And, and sometimes I think I've got it all together. And I just don't. And I think I stand, and I get confident, but I shouldn't be. And we all know that when you get to that point, when you feel like you've got it all put together, the fall is coming every time. Because you start to get careless. You think you've got it all under control, but you don't. And that's what this passage is warning us about. Beware when you think you stand, lest you fall. But then we tie in the second verse. It says that God has always made a way of escape for you. Well, what's the way of escape? You know, I've never, I've never connected the dots in these verses. If we don't think we stand, and if we don't get so arrogant and, and put God on the back burner and start focusing on ourselves, we won't have this problem. And God's offered us the way of escape for all of these issues, and the way of escape is submit to Him. But we put ourselves in this situation when we let our pride get the best of us. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, it says, While they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. You know, Pharaoh fits the description in both of these passages as well. He thought he stood, he was confident, he was powerful. You know, he was the, the king of possibly the most powerful nation in the world at the time. And he not only has all of his loyal subjects, the Egyptians, he has at least a million other people in the Israelites that serve him. They do everything that he says. So he had power. You know what the world promises us with power? Liberty. They promised us liberty. They promised us freedom. They promised us the ability to just do whatever we feel like as long as we have power. But do you think the people that are the most powerful in the world right now are free? They're in bondage to their own ego. They're in bondage to 
the habits they can't kick. They've been promised freedom. We live in this land of opportunity. But you know what we also have opportunity for? To do a lot of lousy things. We have opportunities to succeed, but we also have opportunity and access to a lot of issues that other people don't have. And so if we start to think we stand, or if we get in this situation where we're looking for the liberty that the world has offered, we're going to come into bondage. And Pharaoh did that exact thing. He was the master, but he came into bondage in his own house because he was overcome by these frogs, which were a result of his pride problem. In Psalms chapter 51, verse 3, David says, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. You know, the Egyptians could not get away from the frogs. You know, we, we read the passage that explained everywhere that they were. They were in the beds, they were on them, on their servants, on their children, on their families. They were in their, in their food. They were just everywhere. And I can't imagine waking up in the morning, because I think the frogs were there for about a week. I can't imagine waking up in the morning just knowing there's going to be another day of the same thing. Just frogs everywhere. Always before you, you can't get away from them. That's how David felt about his sin. He said, my sin is always before me. It was just always right in front of his eyes. He couldn't escape it. And I think David was losing a lot of sleep from this. Whatever he was going through, he was, he was suffering and he was struggling. But it was self-inflicted because it was because, it was because of what he had done. It, his own sin had gotten in his way. And it was overcoming him. But the Egyptians were in that same fight. These frogs, they just couldn't get away from them. Have you ever had some kind of guilt that just weighs on you so heavy that you can't get rid of it? You know, on a, on a much smaller scale, I build cabinets. And if I cut something wrong, or if I mess something up, I'm just waiting for the boss to come in, and I have to tell him I messed this up. That's a little thing, but it weighs on you. You know, it bothers you that you, that you made a mistake. And you don't want to tell somebody about that. You don't want somebody to find out about that. But that's a, that's a small thing. When we mess up our relationships, and when we cause our families pain, when we do all kinds of different things that we regret, that kind of guilt, that weighs on you different. And that's where David was at. He caused a lot of people pain. He had hurt a lot of those around him. And it was weighing heavy. And he could not get away from it. And that's the situation that we sometimes find ourselves in, is in bondage to sin, and it's always in front of us. So this is our situation. We saw the Egyptian situation with the frogs all around him. We see our situation sometimes with our frogs, our sin, that we can't get away from and here's what we do. We often fight the symptom rather than the sickness. In Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 26, it says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. You know, we always use this passage to talk about people removing a bad habit or something like that. They remove that from their life, but they don't replace it with something good. They don't replace it with a good uh, prayer life or Bible study habits or anything like that. They just remove some bad habit and they leave this void. And this passage is telling us that more evil is going to come and take its place if you don't fill the void with God. I'm just picturing what the Egyptians look like with all these frogs around. I'm picturing windows flung open. They're just chunking frogs, one after the other, out of their house. You know, it's one thing to have frogs outside, it's another thing to have them in your house. And I, I can imagine them just throwing them out one by one, killing these things, just 
trying to get some relief. You know, it reminds me of sometimes when you, you know, in the summer, you've got light on in the house, and at night, you crack that door open, they're all coming in. And then you've just got the fly swap for the next 30 minutes, just trying to beat those things out of your house. But the door's still open. That's where the Egyptians were at. Pharaoh's pride was the problem. The frogs were not the problem. Pharaoh's pride was the problem. And they're trying to battle these frogs. And the door's wide open. They're still letting them in. We've got to fight the problem rather than the symptom. You know, I've got a buddy that used to be an alcoholic. And he's about 26 years clean from alcohol. And he looks back and he says, you know, alcohol is not my problem. It was the solution to my problem. Or at least he thought it was. He had so many other problems in the background that he just couldn't kick. He had family problems and things in his upbringing that bothered him. And he was trying to hide that pain and solve it with something. But until he actually addressed the root issues, he couldn't get free from alcohol. Unless you address the root of the problem, unless you address the sickness, you can't get rid of the symptom. And that's where the Egyptians were at, fighting the symptom, but Pharaoh still had his pride. You know, we don't have to fight like that. Imagine the desperation that they faced. We feel that desperate a lot of the time, trying to fight our sin tooth and nail. We just don't make any progress because we're by ourselves. Well, here's what God has offered. Complete removal of our sin. Hebrews 8 and verse 12, it says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. You know, God has said he won't remember the things that we can't forget. There are things that we just won't be able to forget. And they're going to bug us till we die. But God says, I will remember them no more. And he's not just saying that to, you know, pretend like our sin's not there and sweep it under the rug and make us feel better. He's saying that because it's not there anymore. He's not just pretending your sin's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. Because he's taking it all away. So why fight your sin by yourself? Why be throwing all these frogs out the window when God said, I'll take them all away? And that's what he said to Pharaoh. You humble yourself and you let my people go and these frogs are gone. You say the word and these frogs are gone. And he's given us that same opportunity. You say the word, you obey me and your sins are gone. Not just a little better, they've disappeared. And that's what God has offered us. We don't have to fight by ourselves. In John chapter 8, verse 10 through 12, Jesus is speaking to this woman that was caught in adultery, and these Jews came to him, and they said, you know, by the law, she's supposed to be stoned. What do you say? Trying to test him and make him give some uh, answer that they could condemn, condemn him by. So starting in verse 10, it says, When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. When these men came to Jesus, he said, Whoever is sinless can throw the first rock. And they, one by one, from the eldest to the youngest, walked away. Because none of them could throw a stone at this woman, because they all knew that they had guilt. So when they all walked away, he says, where are the people that were going to condemn you? She says, they all left. He says, I don't condemn you either. Just stop it. Go and sin no more. 
He's not saying, you know, there's a passage that says, don't continue in sin that grace may abound. He's not saying, here's my grace, do whatever you want. He's saying, I don't condemn you, now stop it. Stop what you're doing, and your problem's over. Because he's offered us to take away our sins. He's offered us grace. He just hasn't offered it so we can continue living however we feel like. And that's what he offered to Pharaoh, that's what he offers to us. In James chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, it says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, there in verse 7, that's, that's just an intriguing passage to me. It just offers us so many of the answers for our spiritual life. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. That's the ultimate relief. The devil fleeing from you, not because of your strength, but because of God's. If you've got God on your side, the devil will flee. And if you submit to him, the devil's gone. And God tells us, I give grace to the humble. If you want the grace of God, humble yourself before him. You can't keep rebelling against him like Pharaoh did. Keep hardening your heart against his commandments. But if you humble yourself before him, he will have grace on you. But here's our response. A lot of the time we'd say, maybe later. Because our sin's not bugging us quite enough yet. In Acts 24, 24 through 26, it says, And after some days, when Felix came with his wife Priscilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore he sent him sent for him more often and conversed with him. You know, when Paul spoke to Felix, he spoke to him about some hard-hitting topics. And Felix was convicted but unwilling to respond. He says, go away for now and I have a convenient season I'll call for you. And he wasn't just saying that because that time wasn't a great time. He was saying that because he wanted money. He wanted Paul to pay him to free him. And so he kept sinning for Paul because he hoped for his own gain. You know, this is how we respond to our sin all the time. Because we get comfortable. And we get comfortable with our habits. We get comfortable with the things that we do. Because it's just the way we do things at a certain point. It's just who we are at a certain point. And we get comfortable. And when God says, I'll take your sins away, I'll remember them no more. We say, that's not a great time. You know, I'm young. A lot of people start to change their lives when they're on the deathbed. When they start to feel like they're getting older. Like, man, I just don't have that much time left. I better clean up my life. I'm young. And I start to think, you know, in theory, if I live to the, to the average old age, I should have like 60 years left. That's great. I'm like a quarter of the way done with my life. That's fine. I've got time. When God says... Fix it now. I say, what's the hurry? We've got time. We start to get comfortable where we're at. Because we feel like we've got plenty of time. We feel like we can change later. And that's how Felix felt when he was convicted by the message that Paul gave him. He said, you know, maybe later. We get really busy. In Luke chapter 14, verse 16 through 20, it says, Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. 
The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. You know, we like to condemn these people for not having their priorities straight, but these are important things that they were doing. They were making a livelihood. They were having families. You know, he says, I've got oxen that I need to go and test. I need to take care of them. I've got fields that I need to tend to. I've married a wife. I can't come. You know, you know, we make fun of these people, but they had valid excuses in a lot of our minds for not doing this. They had important things to do. God's not saying there's anything wrong with any of these things. It's just when he says, come to my feast, don't even think about those things. He's not saying there's anything wrong with having families or, or making a livelihood. He's just saying if those things get between you and me, they become bad days. But we get so distracted with the little things of life. You know, these are things that I aspire to have. I want to have a family. I want to have a good job that I can take care of myself and my family with. And those things take time. And those things are difficult. And you all know that better than I do. You all experience those things a lot more than I have. But it's so difficult to allow ourselves to take those things and allow them to, to just take over our lives, take all of our time. So that when God says, now's the time, we say tomorrow. And that's how Pharaoh treated the situation. God said, now's the time. You have the option. When am I going to take these frogs away? He says, tomorrow. Because he was more willing to face one more night with the frogs than submit himself to God. How bad does your sin hurt you? Because your pain's got to be greater than your fear. We won't change until our pain is greater than our fear of changing. I'm afraid of change. I like my rhythm. I like things to just continue going the same way. So I like things to be consistent. And because of my fear of change, I refuse it a lot of the time, even when it's good change. Even when it's things that God has told me to change. But your pain's got to be greater. And Pharaoh said, I can deal with it. I can handle it a little bit longer. I just don't want to submit. Don't tell God tomorrow. When he says, I'll take away your sin whenever you say the word, tell him now. I'm ready now. I'm ready to listen to what you said. I'm ready to submit to you. I'm ready to do whatever you say if you'll just take it away. Because I'm done. I'm done fighting. Don't say tomorrow. Pharaoh said tomorrow, but God is still faithful. Because Pharaoh did submit to God. He said, look, I'll, I'll give your people back. I'll let them go if you'll take away the cross. And God is faithful to uphold his end of the deal. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful to uphold every promise that he makes. So whenever you make the decision to obey him and to submit to him, that's when he'll take your sins away. I just suggest it not be later. Because we're only guaranteed this moment. Christ can come back now. And that always confuses me. Because I think, okay, I've lived 21 years and he's never come back yet. Why would it be right now? I, I like to play my odds. You know, I think, why, why would it be right now? It could be. Just as much as any other moment in the rest of the existence of the world. So why play your odds and say, he hasn't come back yet. Might as well take my chances. You may have 20, 30, 40, 80 more years of life. But why take your chances? God's given us the opportunity. Why not take it now? 
because he is faithful to uphold his end of the deal. Whenever you take him up on his promises, he will fulfill them. But often, even after we've come to God and submitted to him, we rebel again because we get relief. And that's what Pharaoh did. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 8, it says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, Pharaoh said, take away the frogs and I'll let your people go. God took away the frogs. He felt relief. He was no longer under this pressure from having the frogs around, having, having his people come to him and say, look, man, you've got to make this happen. We can't handle this anymore. He was no longer under pressure, and it says he felt the relief, and he hardened his heart against God. He had his, his problem solved, so he said, I don't need you anymore. And we do that too. We look to God as the one to solve our problems, but we're not ready to submit to him. And people did that at the time of Christ as well. In John chapter 6, verse 26 through 29, that's what people did. They looked to him to solve their problems, but they were not ready to submit to him. John 6, 26 through 29, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do? that we may work the works of God. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. You know, Jesus had just worked one of his miracles of either feeding of four or five thousand. And these people had come to him, and they started following him because they were mindful. Like, this guy can just give us food out of nothing. And at this point, a lot of them were probably still looking to him to start this physical rebellion against Rome, and imagine a war leader that can feed his men with nothing. I mean, that's a, a key issue of a, of a traveling army, is having enough food and water. And Jesus could give it to him out of nothing. And people follow him because of that. And he says, you're just following me because your belly's full. You're following me because you had enough to eat, not because you really believe in what I'm doing. And they say, what do we need to do to work the works of God? And he says, this is the work of God that you believe in him in whom he sent so Jesus says, just because your bellies are full and you feel good and you've got relief from your problems, just because I've solved your problems doesn't mean that you're a follower of me and that you've submitted to my will. He says, what really needs to happen is you believe in me. You believe I can fill your belly. Do you really believe in me? Do you believe in the eternal promises of God? Are you here because God can solve your problems? Good. Are you here because you really want to submit to him? Even better. God can solve the problems, but it's not enough for us to just look to him and say, help us fix it. We messed it up. Again, fix it. It's only enough when we say, God, I'm ready to do anything that you say. And then he'll solve our problems, but we'll truly have a relationship with him. That's what it takes. And Pharaoh said, God, I want my problem solved. He was not ready to submit. And when God took the frog away, he said, I'm feeling good now. And he once again hardened his heart and rebelled against God. You know, I always think that Pharaoh would have learned. He, he already faced one of the plagues from God. He already had the water turn to blood. But he didn't learn. And the second plague comes. I would think he would say, okay, when I rebel against God, another plague comes. So the frogs come in. He says, I'm done. I'm ready to get rid of these. God says, okay. Gets rid of the frogs. Pharaoh hardens his heart again. But guess what comes? Another plague. Eight more plagues. 
So when you harden your heart against God, you know what's going to happen. It just takes a willingness to submit to Him. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17 through 19, we see how pride can come into play in our rebellion. It says, So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did, you, and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? God told Saul, go and destroy the Amalekites. All of them. All their stuff. Everything. And Saul brought back some animals and their king. And Samuel comes to him and he says, when you were little in your own eyes, that's when God anointed you. When you were humble is when God said, that's a man that can be king of my people. You know, Saul, when he was called to be king, said, I'm the, the, of the least family of the smallest tribe. Why would I be king? That's why. Because he was little in his own eyes. Because when he was called to be king, he said, I'm nothing. That's why he was able to be a good servant for God's kingdom. But when he got cocky, when he thought that he knew best, and he did what he felt like rather than what God said, that's when he got kicked out. In verse 23 it says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. If you hear anything from this lesson this morning, it's listen to God and submit to his will. Because this is a, a solution to a lot of our problems. When David listened to God and submitted to him, he humbled himself and said, I'm small, I'm nothing, but I'm willing to be your servant. That's when he did the greatest things for the nation of Israel. And that's when we can do the greatest things for the kingdom of God is when we say, I'm ready to be an humble servant in your kingdom. You know, it's, it's backwards thinking to us. We think the one that's, that's greatest and has the most power and the most authority is the one that, that will get the most things done. Jesus said the servant is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And if we're willing to say that we're little in our own eyes and that we're small and we're just willing to serve, that's when we'll be greatest in the kingdom of God. I want to just recap really quick this story that we've looked at in Exodus chapter 8. The problem all started when Pharaoh felt like he was in control, like he was the master of his own destiny. And he got arrogant, and he fought back against God. And God punished Pharaoh for his pride. Pharaoh wanted the problem, the symptom, removed, but he hadn't identified the sickness. God offered to remove the symptom if Pharaoh owned himself, which is the sickness. He needed to solve the sickness problem for God to remove the symptom. And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Not right now. I'll submit to you now. But tomorrow. But God kept his promise. God did what he said he was going to do, and he removed the frogs. But Pharaoh continued to rebel because he felt relief from the problem he was facing. And so punishments kept coming. The plagues kept coming. Do you want to change your current situation in life? You know, I've been in a, a lot of places in the past and even still at times today where there's issues I just feel like I can't solve. Where there's things that have plagued me for, for weeks, months, and years that I just feel like I can't get past. And it's because I don't personally want to change. But God's given us the way out. I want to look at two more passages. Actually, the passages that we've already looked at this morning that I think tie our study together well. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 
No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. This passage always intrigued me because I always thought every sin problem must have a different way of escape. Every, every place you go, you, know, you get in with the wrong crowd. You get in this bad environment that, that offers some kind of temptation. All these different scenarios must have a different way of escape. I way overcomplicated things. God said, I have a way of escape for you, and here's the way of escape. But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you want your life to change this morning? Do you have frogs in your life that you've been trying to fight against by yourself? Sin problems that you've been trying to get rid of, but just can't quite hit. If you want to change, God's offered the way of escape. You just have to take it. He said, I'll take it away right now. You just say the word. You get the honor of saying, when these frogs go away, when those sins go away. And it's when you submit to God and resist the devil. He will flee from you. I hope the study's been helpful for you this morning. It was very encouraging for me and helped me to gain some perspective, not just on the story of the plagues in Egypt, but of my own, the own, my own way that I deal with my sin and the stubbornness that I often have in dealing with those things and my lack of willingness to accept God's way rather than my own. This morning, if you need any kind of assistance from the church, if you want to obey the gospel this morning and take advantage of the opportunity that God has given you to have your sins removed, and completely cleansed. Not just pushed back like in the old law, but removed forever. If you want to take advantage of that opportunity, we want to help you. Or if you're already a Christian but need the prayers of the church, feel like you've got some frogs in your life that you just can't quite get rid of, we want to help you too. Please come while we stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.